Hello and welcome again to the Bioprocess Insider Expression System, the podcast that takes you on a journey upstream and downstream to delve deeper into the world of biomanufacturing. I'm your host, Dan Stanton, and as ever, you can get hold of me via my email, dan.stanton at informer.com, or via my news site, Bioprocess Insider. This episode is a bit of a diversion from the nuts and bolts of bioprocessing, but in a way, that's what this podcast is meant to be. My guest is Brian Kane, a stalwart in the publishing space who many of you will have met at trade shows and conferences, all suited and booted with his New Jersey patter and always at the forefront of the latest trends in the industry. For those who don't know him, Brian Kane founded Bioprocess International nearly 20 years ago, and before that he led the charge at another publication focused on the life sciences space. He really has played a huge part in the evolution of the trade media as print was surpassed by digital and digital blossomed into an unwieldy monster that we all are having to deal with today. Now for full disclosure, Brian was until recently my boss, but he left BPI last year and has branched out in various new directions. However, he still has his finger on the pulse of the bioprocess space, and in this podcast he continued to teach me a lot about the murky world of publishing, and I hope he can teach you too. So sit back and listen to Brian Kane. So, um, how's how's life away from the publication? You know, life is different, Dan. You know, my, my whole life uh, revolved around Bioprocess International, uh, all the way back to prior to launch in, in 2002. Um, so doing one thing for such a long period of time and then changing gears and trying to do something else is, uh, is definitely a bit of a shock to the system. But I'm enjoying uh, the opportunity uh, that, that has presented itself. And, uh, you yeah, I'm looking to do some interesting things here in the market. Now, Brian, as a publisher of Bioprocess International and, and publications before that, I'm really keen to sort of tap into you here and find out what sort of um, what, what's going on as far as content goes from a sort of business to business perspective. Obviously, we've got a, um, a, a global pandemic that's still going on and, and that's obviously changing people's views. If you could kind of summarize the importance of content up until the global pandemic, that would be a great start, I think. Well, you know, Dan, that's an excellent point because the, the evolution of content uh, and the acceleration that COVID has caused, you know, really has started long before COVID. Hit. Uh, and that's a trend that we've been seeing for many, many years uh, at Bioprocess International. We've always predicated everything we publish on the fact that content is king uh, and that content doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's effective content. Uh, there's all sorts of content that's out there uh, and there's a lot of noise when it comes to content. But really the key that's been in place for you know, quite a few years now uh, is, is putting out good, legitimate, applicable content that people can can use in, in their day-to-day process uh, versus content that is just general out there and, and kind of just noise. Um, I'm constantly battling communications folk and uh, PR specialists who claim that essentially any piece of communication is 
good content. And as a journalist, I, you know, I just have to strip that back because there is, as you say, so much noise out there that actually having something unique to add to the conversation, actually have, looking deeper within what a story is to find a trend is becoming rarer and rarer, I'm finding. And, um, you know, since everyone has gone online, it's it seems to be getting even murkier out there as to what is interesting content, what is reliable content, and how that can benefit a, a reader or a listener and um, a company involved in industry. Quality content is nothing new. And, and the need and the, the use of quality content is something that, that's, that's existed long before COVID kind of hit us here. Um, when, when we launched Bioprocess International, we had a, uh, a dedicated platform to, to speak to people you know, in the industry. And, and every word of every article within every issue was delivered to the entire universe. And as the industry becomes more and more complex, it became necessary to, to, to really kind of slim that down a little bit, to, to really verticalize what we're talking about. Uh, and people in the marketplace became specialists, right? So there wasn't, there wasn't uh, the person that did upstream and downstream and, and, and quality. Uh, you know, you had specialists in each of those areas. So we had to talk to each one of those groups uh, individually. And while the publication umbrellas a lot of this information, uh, it became very clear to us that um, you also have to talk directly to the people who are influencing process and making decisions you know, in that vertical within the process itself. So that that's really was the evolution of, of content uh, as far as not only what to talk about, um, who to talk to, uh, but then also how to deliver that right content to the right audience. Uh, that's been the challenge over the last number of years that we've had here, which is, again, has been accelerated by the fact that um, more and more people are online uh, and not going to live events. And so to absorb a lot of the content that's out there that they need to do their job, they have to find other sources in order to do that. So when you were at Bioprocess International, how did you balance the publication content with the push from companies looking to market themselves? Well, well, thankfully, they kind of matched up very nicely um, because technology and the end users are, are a symbiotic relationship, right? You, you can't do the process without the technology uh, and the technology needs the process in order to you know, enable itself as well. So that was never a, a conflict. Dan, those, those two topics match up perfectly. So there was never a challenge uh, in order to uh, produce one type of content for us that the suppliers need and one type of content that the end user need. It, the same content uh, was applicable and useful to both parties. And, and that's why it worked so well within Bioprocess International. Do you think that was unique to Bioprocess International? Obviously, they, they or we have um, a fantastic editorial team with Anne Montgomery, Cheryl Scott and the likes. But uh, do you think it's unique to that publication or do you think it's unique to this industry? Yeah, it's not unique to Bioprocess International. I just think Bioprocess International and, and the editorial team dedicated themselves to doing it the right way. You know, like a lot of things out there, uh, doing things right is a lot harder than just doing things. Um, so it takes a little bit more work. Uh, it takes a little, more, a little bit more time. Uh, but the result really is what established Bioprocess as the leading publication within this industry uh, as far as legitimate go-to information. And I mean, um, it's testament to the fact that it's still in print <laughs> when um, 
when so many print publications have fallen by the wayside over the past 15 years or so? The, the reason why they, they've fallen on the wayside, in the life sciences industry, a lot of the workers here are, are book trained. They're very highly educated folks. So, so reading in the, in the print format or even reading in the electronic format is certainly core uh, to their experience and their education and their upbringing, you know, so to speak. Um, it, it wasn't the fact that publications are going away. I think the problem or the challenge has been that uh, the publications uh, didn't have their priorities in line. Um, so Bioprocess was able to uh, not only adapt to the changing times as far as how content was consumed, um, but also delivered in ways that, that were more, more effective uh, and more useful to the reader. I think a lot of the publications out there, like a lot of the media platforms, are very slow to change. And the advantage that Bioprocess had is that we were a, a very lean machine. We we're a very uh, small group of people who were all on the same page as far as what we wanted to do for the market and what our mission was to deliver information uh, that will help the market accelerate you know, the production of, of, new, of new products and, and improve the process. And now you've left the publication. Um, you're speaking to, well, to be fair, you were speaking to um, the uh, the industry while at the publication. But what, what sort of what sort of noise have you heard that's different now? So, so there's two ways to look at this. There, there's the there's the consumer uh, who is the you know the reader you know in the industry uh, and what they're looking for uh, and how they want to uh, how they want to find it and how they want to consume it. Um, so clearly the, the trend over a number of years, even before COVID hit, was, was delivering more targeted information to a more targeted audience, right? You, you, you find and understand what a group of people are looking for, what they really need, uh, and then you find a way to not only uh, write about it and discuss it, but also ease of delivery so that they can kind of consume it. So that's, that's the point of... Uh, of the, the change in direction from a publishing perspective is not publishing information for all, but making sure that you publish and deliver information specifically, you know, to a group of, of individuals who need it the most. And so, excuse my ignorance here, is that content marketing? You know, the word content and the word journalist is, never goes well together because I don't know, I've never <laughs> met I've never met a content journalist. Um, sorry, <laughs> poor joke there. But uh, content marketing as an expression has become a sort of catch-all well across the whole b2b spectrum which is kind of sad but also kind of confusing so is that what what we mean by content marketing not in my head um so content really when you're talking about the the end user and the type of information that you need you're really talking about targeted content versus content marketing right so what, what i mean by that is you're, you're targeting content that is applicable and usable by a, a certain vertical within the process um, and, and making sure that that information is delivered directly to them. So that's what I mean by that's target mark. That's target content. But so target target content. Let me work this out just so it's, it's straight in my mind, at least. Um, so target marketing would form a part of a more general content marketing strategy. Yes. Now that's different. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> okay. So tar tar target marketing and, and content marketing are, are definitely go hand in hand. No doubt about that. Uh, and that's definitely changing in the, in the industry as well. Um, you know, from a, 
from a, a supplier or a consultant or an equipment manufacturer looking to connect with their audience in the marketplace and, and their audience are, are their users, are their buyers, you know, are their recommenders, that whole world has changed completely because what used to be the 80-20 rule, right, is now the 20-80 rule, right? You don't need 80%, you don't need to reach 80% of the market in order to uh, attain your goals. Uh, you can really do it with 20% you know, of the market, possibly even less to do that. So, so understanding the behaviors and the uses of, of your audience will dictate how you want to target content you know, from the supplier and target market that content. Uh, and quite frankly, that's where BioProcess has really uh, led the charge you know, over the last number of years on there. We've been able to understand uh, the behaviors uh, of our audience, uh, who, who is interacting uh, with the content, why they were interacting with the content, what other information they wanted uh, that pertained to you know, specific topics. And we can relate that to the, uh, to the supplier audience that's out there. And one of the other big changes, Dan, is that the industry relied on, on end users to discuss their experiences right, um, within the process. On the supplier side, the sophistication of the market and of the technology and the, the, the sophistication of the, the type of person who works uh, for the suppliers has skyrocketed you know, over the last you know, decade or so. So there, there's as much talent and experience and knowledge on the supplier side as there, as there is you know, on the end user side. Um, I'm hearing right. that. I'm hearing that across um, well, the myriad of news stories that I write about. You know, um, the, it's the CDMOs who are leading the innovation and the manufacturing. It's the the vendors themselves, the tech vendors who are developing the products to then sell to the CDMOs and the end users. So it, it's now the traditional suppliers who will be the the thought leaders here, or the ones who have something to add to the conversation. Yeah, I mean, m- most of the suppliers are are not you know commodity. You know, folks anymore. They're they're, you know, they're personalized suppliers. Um, each process is is again sophisticated from the standpoint that you know whether it's a piece of equipment, whether it's a piece of technology, you know, whether it's a service that out there, you know, it has to be personalized to uh, that that company's you know specific needs uh, that they have. So so the industry's changed quite a bit from the standpoint of the the content that. And I'll call them suppliers, you know, as, as a bucket term, um, is is extremely important. Uh, and you can see it with with um, cell and gene therapy uh, and personalized medicines, right? <clears throat> the the technology for years that was being used was um, monoclonal antibody, you know, technology, and it was just being adapted, you know, into uh, into cell and gene therapy. There was certainly a need for the supplier portion of the industry to create the technology and to create the equipment uh, that caters specifically to what the cell and gene industry needed. There has to be a partnership here. So it's not a, uh, it's not a one plus one anymore. You know, it's a, uh, you know, it's a one plus one equals one. Brian, I guess since the pandemic started, um, there has been a lack of face-to-face events. Let's just say that lightly. Um, but there were exceptionally large marketing budgets attached to such events for some of these 
suppliers or for most of these suppliers. Are we seeing those budgets being transferred to other platforms? Um, and does that tie into this whole content marketing thing? Or is this, you know, is the money being thrown at um, uh, content marketing just a, a small percentage of what was uh, in the books for 2020 and 2021 for these marketing teams? Well, well let's put it this way. Uh, when, when the pandemic hit last year, budgets were in place uh, and money was available uh, for events. As we transitioned into 2021, um, companies took another look at those budgets and said, you know what, we, we are not going to as many events uh, as we used to in the past. So we don't need to budget that money. So the question is, uh, do we include that money in the budget? Uh, or do we save that money? That was a decision that companies had to make on, on a case-by-case basis. But, but the interesting part is that generally the, 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 bio, the biopharmaceutical industry is booming right now, right? So they're, they're flush with cash. Uh, you can see a lot of the expansion that's going on, whether it's you know, in, in facilities or acquisition, uh, which will probably continue going forward. So budget is not a problem. What, what they, whether they're budgeted, uh, for content or not budgeted for content or for events. What companies are trying to understand is how do we best adapt our strategy to what we need in order to keep feeding the machine? Uh, and the machine is uh, new clients coming in, uh, is brand recognition, uh, is supporting existing clients that are out there. So companies are, the companies that rely on events um, as a uh, as a majority of their of their marketing strategy, uh, are facing the the challenge of what do we do when that when those events are not happening, or they're not happening on the level that they used to, or even the expectation of what's going to happen when a live events come back, you know, has changed. You know, the dynamic of we still need to feed the machine hasn't changed at all. So something has to come in and fill the gap for that. Content marketing is one way that companies can showcase their expertise and get their message out directly to their audience. But let me just say this, Dan, as the world has gone online um, with the pandemic um, and people are getting used to consuming and accessing more information online, uh, that's becoming a very crowded field as well. So it creates a, a similar challenge, just like any other platform is, how does a supplier company separate itself from all the other companies that are out there who are all looking to content market uh, and all looking to kind of target, you know, the, the same, you know, type of people within, within that vertical niche that they're looking for. That's, that is the universal challenge that no matter, no matter what platform exists or what's hot or what's cold uh, will always be in place. And that's always a challenge um, uh, for companies to try and figure out how to best attack that. So, so, Brian, just to bring up a phrase that you mentioned earlier, content is king. Um, I've heard you mutter this uh, over my many years of working with you. You mentioned companies waking up to the to the realization that content is indeed king. Those who haven't yet woken up to this, are they going to get left behind or are they going to be missing out here? They just sort of hang on waiting for, I don't know, the world to revert to how it was in 2019? Yeah, I, I think that if if the smaller companies who maybe haven't has much experience in content marketing uh, don't get on board, there the gap between the have and the have-nots uh, I think is going to increase uh, quite a bit. But let me go back to content marketing. Um, 
when I when I say content is king, um, not all content is king. Good applicable content is king, right? So there's a big difference out there between producing content that 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 doesn't make an impression or that is too commercial in its nature, and then content that is actually useful and applicable, you know, for your end user. The 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 purpose of of content. Uh, it's kind of twofold. It's not only to, to educate the market on specific aspects of the industry, uh, but the second key there is is really showcasing your expertise, your knowledge, you know, as a as a supplier or provider to the marketplace, right? That it doesn't matter if you're if you're a large company or a small company. If you have good technology, if you have good expertise, uh, and you're you can communicate that through your content, then you're gonna reach a much broader audience and, and a smaller company will be able to compete with the larger companies and the larger companies will, will showcase that even though they're big, they can still work with the with the individual partners that are out there. So it's no longer who has the largest stand at an exhibition hall. And there's a couple of things I just wanna digest there, Brian. Um, the first thing you said, um, it kind of alludes to the fact that um, uh, companies need to have something to say, something to add to the conversation. So it's not just more faff or, uh, or PR or spin. It has to be something um, of use to the industry. The other thing that I, I think you may have been um, alluding to or hinting at is they've got to have the right platform to, um, to shout it out there. I'm suggesting uh, you still need the right platform, the right editors to sort of curate that sort of content and to make sure it's put in the right place and gets out to the right audiences. Is, is, that, is that fair to say? Oh, that, that's 100%, Dan. And, and quite frankly, again, that's something that's been accelerated over the past year. Uh, and that's something that you know, we, we've established the new benchmark uh, going forward of what needs to happen out there. But that's always been the case. Uh, is that you have to put out good content, uh, and you know, from a from a platform perspective, you know, everybody's going to have to adapt, right? The the expectation and the demands on publishing, on events, on digital marketing, uh, you know, have all changed. The bar has been raised, right? Because the the other thing you have to realize is suppliers in the market are are also more sophisticated. Uh, as far as who they want to go after, they have they have access to many of the platforms that uh, that event or publishing company has as well. What the publishing or the media platform has uh, is the brand that goes along with that, and the reputation of delivering high quality, useful, applicable information. As long as they continue to do that, as long as they adapt to the changes in the marketplace and understand that. Um, companies don't have to utilize them in order to reach their market, um, then, then they'll be fine. If they choose not to adapt and, and to stay, um, you know, kind of, you know, in their, in their corner uh, here, the market will continue to, to move forward without them. You know, when we launched Bioprocess International, it's, it's one of the core reasons we did that. We saw the changes, you know, in the marketplace. We saw that the industry went from vertical publications into a process. And, that, and that's what led to the creation of Bioprocess International. And quite frankly, that allowed Bioprocess to establish itself in the market and to quickly become you know, the leading publication uh, and platform within the market as well. Platforms today have to do the same thing. If, if they, they stick to what was, what was pre-pandemic, 
they're going to suffer the same consequences is the fact that they're going to become irrelevant in a lot of ways, or they're going to be marginalized from the fact that there are going to be other capabilities and other access points for people to communicate in the marketplace. You have to stay viable in the marketplace. You have to perform a function of connecting the content to the users in order to be viable. One last question for you, Brian. The role of communications companies. I've seen a number of uh, new sites and websites completely um, destroyed by advertorial content, self-aggrandizing fake news, shall we say, um, that has been pushed out by communications companies to the detriment of actual news and thought-leading pieces. Yeah, how do um, communications companies need to work with the suppliers and the thought leaders in order that their content is relevant and put out on the right platforms? Well, well, it it goes back to to, to the same premise, Dan, that while content is king, good content is king. Applicable content is king. And in, in this day and age where the... The end user is very sophisticated. Uh, they're much more educated. They're much more knowledgeable about the process. They're much more knowledgeable about what they need uh, and what their shortcomings are. It's, it's the obligation of the, of the media platforms and, and the partnership with the supplier side of it to produce the content that actually delivers information that is useful and applicable. Using content to, to sell your capabilities really is archaic, right? You, using content to express your expertise and your knowledge uh, and, and how to use that within the industry, that really is the future going forward. Companies need to understand that in order to sell, you don't always need to be selling. Um, so education is really the cornerstone uh, of what will propel this industry going forward and will help every company, no matter what size they are, uh, to, to really establish themselves in the marketplace. And with the, the media platforms that, that are out there, it, it's critical that they find the balance between those two. Supplier-based content and user-based content all belong together. Uh, and when it works well together, they all tell the same story. How do I do things better? How do I improve my process? How do I make more efficiencies? You know, so that we can deliver better drugs more quickly, you know, to a, to a broader audience that's out there. That's the key to the whole thing. I think people understand that, Dan. I do. Uh, but I think uh, human tendency is to, is to kind of take the, you know, the, the easy, path, easy path forward. Um, and like bioprocess, uh, the good stuff is harder than the easy stuff. So my recommendation for people in the industry is, don't focus on the easy stuff because you're wasting your time. Focus on the harder stuff, make the investment, and you'll reap the reward of that going forward. Brian Kane, it is always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Dan, you're the man. Take care. <laughs> Well, thank you very much for listening. Until next time, goodbye and stay safe.